Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Holy moly, Chad. Holy guacamole. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, green in a lot the of, conversation we just had. Yeah, a lot of green in the conversation we just had. So uh, Mike Evans was just uh, telling us how much tuition is for his daughter who goes to Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Bananas. Bananas. Insane. Yeah. I, man, it's, it's up there. I, I don't want to divulge it, but, uh, man, it's expensive having kids, isn't it? College costs are... It's expensive having ambitious kids. College costs have outstripped uh, salary incre- increases in, in a way that is, you know, criminal at this point. Um, you know, obviously there's all the conversation about uh, student loan forgiveness. I mean, there's a reason why student loans became such a massive thing because college costs went up so high and so quickly. Uh, families who thought they had prepared for their, you know, child's eventual college future found out they are woefully underprepared. Um, so, yeah, we're in this unfortunate spot where we are now where, you know, hey, you want to get your kids the best chance in life, you need to go to college. But, oh, my gosh, to leave college with a quarter of a million dollar debt is insane. So how, do you have to be rich to send your kids to college these days? Um, I mean, does that mean there's a bunch of rich kids at college and there's really no kids at college that are just kind of represent what America is really about? The, the thought of I'm going to work my way through college. I'm going to work a job and right. go to school around that, and that's going to be enough. No, I mean, what kid makes sixty grand, eighty grand a year working a part time job so they can pay through college? You have to do that and take on student loans. So you you basically work just to be able to feed yourself and live, and you take on this massive debt of student loans to be able to pay for it all. The figure that Mike just gave the, for the tuition is closer to a hundred thousand dollars than it is to fifty. Yeah, that's insane. And you said eight years ago your daughter was my daughter was looking at USC. Uh, there was a uh, intensive media program, you know, so it, had, it, would, it was more expensive than just a regular freshman year at USC. And this was eight years ago. It was going to be $81,000. That is absolutely insane. Yes. Anyway, um, look, it's the final cut day today. Broncos got to get down to 53. Transitioning. <laughs> well, I mean, we could talk about this all day long, right. but uh, but I don't think we should. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, maybe... Um, you know, maybe our texters, if you have any any thoughts or comments on, on the exorbitant tuition and maybe an alternative for kids. Do you push them into trade schools? Do you tell them college isn't really that important? Um, when you're a little kid, everything everything the adult tells you is, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up and where are you going to go to college? And uh, is that going to change because tuition is too expensive? But we can't talk about this all day. The Broncos... The Broncos have to cut down to 53 today by 2 p.m. Um, notable cuts thus far. Punter Sam Martin, that was yesterday. Linebacker Joe Schobert, that was a while back. Wide receiver Trey Quinn, Jaquan Hardy, uh, some other names that um, you might not have been able to get to know because they were you know, linemen and, and and defensive linemen that really never got a lot of run. But um, it's that time of, of year where these guys are waiting by the phone. So as we speak, these players are staring at their phones, hoping they don't ring. Um, a lot of difficult decisions to make. In your mind, Chad, what's the most difficult decision George Payton and Nathaniel Hackett have to make? Uh, probably going to be that uh, tight end room. Um, you know, I think that's going to be the one where there's the most conversation around it. I'm sorry, not tight end, wide receiver room. The most conversation around. There's there's guys who uh, present various skill sets, um, but what do you go with? Do you go, do you go with consistency? 
Do you go with speed with Jalen Virgil? Um, what's your What's your plan? What do you think presents this this roster with the biggest upside? If you're to be hit with some injuries, who can step in and play uh, versus who's in more of a development project? And then with all these position battles, there's also the thought of can we cut a guy? Will he cl- clear waivers and then we can bring him back on the practice squad? Um, so there's a lot of thinking that has to go into this. And then, you know, it's just like the draft process, like you, when you're beginning to try to slot your players for the draft, oh, we've got the 23rd pick, who's going to be available then? You have to know what the other teams around you need. So when you are doing your cutdown days and, you know, five teams are looking for a young speed receiver, well, then you probably put Jalen Virgil on the active roster and put someone else from this young wide receiver room uh, on waivers and hope they clear so you can bring them back on practice squad. To prevent Jalen Virgil from being used against you, essentially? From being, from preventing Jalen Virgil from being taken by somebody else. I want to right. keep him. Right. I want to keep all these guys. Right. But which guy has the best guy of, of best chance of clearing waivers? All of, all 31 other teams get a chance to look at this guy and they all pass on him. Then we can bring him back to our practice squad. And realistically, how likely is it that Jalen Virgil will help you win a football game this year? Uh, that's, that, that's a question they have to talk about. Yeah. So if you, so if you're, uh, the coach, right, and you're assembling your receiver room, let's say you want, let's say you're going to keep six. Does one of those guys need to be a special teams player? And I'm not talking about Montreal, Washington. I'm talking about a guy who who is on special teams, coverage units, protection units, uh, return units, like Tyree Cleveland. Because if how many how many receivers are you going to suit up on game day if none of them play special teams? Wow, if none of them play special teams, then maybe five. So you you would suit up five guys if none of them play special teams. So how 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 much co- contribution are those? basically four and five going to make on game day uh, to the offense. Well, outside of Montreal, Washington, none. So that's why. So they, why would you suit up five? Well, I'm saying this is, well, if I don't have a guy who's going to participate in special teams, well, okay, I think we got a little ahead of ourselves. I was answering your question. I'm not saying they're going to complete this wide receiver room without a guy like Tyree Cleveland. I'm not saying that at all. Well, I, I, I'm questioning it because, you know, Tyree hasn't played. Right. He's been injured. Broken you have, throat. you have yeah, exactly a throat chop. Uh huh. You have all these game wide receivers who you think are really good receivers, right? And and you don't want to let those guys go, but you also want to want to construct your forty five active members of on game day of guys who are going to be on the field contributing, right? So as a number five wide receiver who's not playing special teams, how much is he going to be on the field in a game? And that, yeah, that becomes the question, right? And, you know, if this guy's not going to contribute on game day and he's simply just a backup, then even though he's talented and could help our wide receiver room if in case of injury, again, now we're coming down to the that, that same old thing we were talking about uh, with the uh, approach to the preseason, the tyranny of the urgent versus the important. It's important to have some special teams guy in my wide receiver room. Those guys have a different skill set than tight ends, linebackers, and fullbacks who make up the bulk of your special teams. You need some speed guys out there. You need some smaller, faster guys. Um, so that's urgent. That, that's very important. But it's urgent that you have uh, depth at this as well. In case there's an injury run, to think this guy who's a core special teams guy is suddenly going to light it up as a receiver, that's not necessarily his skill set, and that's not what he's preparing and practicing and getting all these reps to do. So... Yeah, roster creation is perhaps the most difficult part of the preseason aspects. Doing the cuts, not that difficult, but the final roster creation and trying to balance all your needs because you cannot, the way the NFL is constructed, have adequate depth at every position. 
You just can't. So then you need to decide what positions are most important to have depth at. Where is the position hopefully we can skate by? What's the it, position you can skate by? That, that Every team is going to be different. Uh, GM Chad Brown. Um, you know, l- offensive linemen uh, tend to, to be able to play nicked up. So can you get by with one less offensive lineman? Uh, from a toughness standpoint, perhaps. You know, why receivers get hamstring pulls and quad pulls. They bang a finger on somebody's helmet. They can't go out there and do their job. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Receivers? Yeah. I, have you seen Rod Smith's fingers? I have. Rod Smith is a they special. They look like a windy road on a, on a dark mountain. Rod Smith is a special human being and a special receiver. But I think it would be fair to say, from an availability standpoint, chances are an offensive lineman is going to be available yep. and be able to play through more injuries than a wide receiver could. Yep. Just because of the demands of the position. Offensive linemen never have to run full speed. You can go out there with, you know, a, a, basically a, a, you know, a torn Achilles and still operate at some offensive line positions. You can't do that as a receiver. So when you start to look at where can I have depth and where can I not have depth, you're forced to make those kind of decisions. I've been the number four wide receiver who suits up on game day, and the number of the number of snaps you actually get on offense eh, between between ten and twenty. Mm-hmm. You know, because you do a lot of base stuff, a lot of tiger stuff, which is too tight. And and this tight end group figures to be heavily factored in the offense. So you got to assume you're going to see a lot of two tight end sets, or you know Andrew Beck and another tight end or whatever. If they keep Andrew Beck, I don't know what their plans are there. But um, the number four receiver doesn't play a lot. As receiver, he plays on special teams. Right. So so who's that guy going to be and what is, contri- is his contribution? Now, you want him to be able to play all the receiver positions in case a guy goes down. I've also been the guy where a guy goes down, all of a sudden we're in three wide in, in two-minute drill and I'm out there. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's got to be a guy who's, who's ready for the action, but who's also contributing on special teams. All right, yesterday uh, Broncos' new president, Damani Leach, took the podium. He talked about a whole lot of stuff. And is there a change coming? In Broncos country, we'll get into that next. It's Chad and Nate on Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. I'm excited to support George and Coach Hackett, who I've, I've met several times. We met earlier today and hugged three times in the span of five minutes. Um, just two brilliant football football minds, um, and just really excited to to work with them in this process. Three times in five minutes. That's how many times he hugged Coach Hackett. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's got a sense of humor. Right. Or maybe he's just uh, a little freaked out by the, the close talker and the big hugger. <laughs> but um, before we get into Damani Leach, we've got some breaking news on the on the cut-down day front. McTelvin Ajim has been relieved of his duties by the Broncos. Um, perhaps a surprise... Perhaps not. We've been talking about the potential of him being let go, but um, McTelvin Ajim had a, a really big final preseason game. We talked about, can that game save it for you? And sometimes the performances we see in that last preseason game is a guy understanding that it might be his last shot. Yep. And that it might be bad news coming, and he that's kind of his death knell with the team, his death rattle. Um, turns out for McTelvin Ajim, it is, it was, two forced fumbles, Two deflections, one sack, not enough to make the 53-man roster. Mike Kliss just tweeted this out. Uh, surprised at all by this? No. Uh, I think for McTelvin, unfortunately, it was probably a little, too, uh, a little bit too late to make the roster based on just the uh, final preseason game. Obviously, as fans and, and a lot of us in media, we only get a chance to watch 
the games. And so the practices, the joint practice, all those things count. And for Matt Hainson, who's uh, younger and cheaper, uh, presents an opportunity uh, for, for him. And I think he gave the coaches enough during this whole offseason process to believe in him. And when we had the production meetings uh, for the preseason broadcast, they had good things to say about Matt every time. Every time. And so when that's consistent and you're, a guy's a rookie and this guy, and they say phrases like, this guy does everything right, yep. that's a good sign and a bad sign for those older players who are in a similar slot, that you know third level of the defensive line kind of thing. Well, McTelvin Ajim was drafted uh, in the third round in the 2020 draft, so that's only three years ago. The 95th overall pick, that's why he wore jersey number 95, and the Broncos acquired this selection by trading wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders to the Niners. So mm-hmm. that was the Emmanuel Sanders pick. McTelvin Ajim gone. Um, third round pick. So you're never safe. You always have to earn it, you know, and, and perhaps your draft status gives you the opportunity to stick around maybe a year or so longer. But um, third-round draft picks aren't safe. No, they're, they're not. They're not. Not three years down the road. You have to produce. And the expectations is, you know, for a third-round pack draft pick from three years ago, you are uh, at least part of the rotation um, at the defensive line group. Those guys rotate constantly. Uh, they don't play all game long. Um, they may be the most rotated group on the football field, actually, is a defensive line group, particularly in pass-heavy games where there's a lot of pass rushing. Um, so, you know, McTelvin unable to give the coaches enough confidence that he could be a con- consistent contributor as a part of that defensive line rotation. So Damani Lee spoke yesterday, Bronco's new president, and well, he talked about a lot of different things. Uh, here he is talking about how his league experience will help him in his new role. Yeah, sure. Um, good question. Uh, at the league office, you have the benefit of really seeing across all 32 clubs and understanding what makes things really successful in this league. I plan to take a lot of those learnings, whether it's data, um, practices, experiences, and really try to connect that with what we do here that's already successful and look for opportunities to make it even better. So he's taking his knowledge from being in the league office, from seeing it from the 30,000-foot view. That's what he talked about. And uh, there's a new frontier here on the horizon with the Broncos. People are going to be – he's going to be looking at this thing differently than, I believe, the Bolins looked at it from a homegrown community, Denver Broncos-centric viewpoint. Is there anything to worry about looking at things from this macro uh, league office view? I suppose um, the lens through which you view life is always going to shift your perspective and your actions. And for a guy who's worked in the NFL international office for the last couple of years, uh, for the Broncos to play in London, to have uh, Sir Lewis Hamilton as part of the ownership group. Go Broncos, you guys got to get it together. You got to hit the brakes. You got to switch gears. There you go. The overseas opportunity that the NFL wants to explore, I think is going to be uh, try to be exploited by this ownership group. Um, and why would they not? There's revenue to be had out there. Um, have the Broncos maxed out their revenue here in Denver? Um, you know, outside the last couple of years, I think they've traditionally done that. They sold out the stadium. There's tons of Broncos apparel sold in lots of places. Uh, the Broncos are the, you know, the heart of the city. So you've got to grow your brand some other place. And internationally, I'm sure, is where they're going to want to hang their hat. So to think that um, 
Damari Leach is somehow going to Damani. Damani, sorry. Damani Leach is going to somehow um, have a hyper local focused outlook. I just don't think that's that. That was not why he was brought here to be look focused just on the Denver area. He's focusing on the bigger picture of growing this brand, and the brand has the brand has to grow internationally. Is that a mistake? Are you going to lose the essence of what the Denver Broncos are about here at home? Are there traditions worth preserving? Are you going to turn a blind eye to those who made you who you are? Do you threaten moving on from the traditions that make this team special? I have to imagine that you can. Do that. You can do both. Uh, For example, they knock down the stadium, build a new one, put on a new uniform, and it has this space age, new age uniform situation going on. And all of a sudden, they're you know, I don't know. Well, eat. the 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 current Bronco uniforms that are loved so much were hated when they were first introduced. So people are going to be slow to change, and out of anybody, fans are perhaps the slowest to change. They the whole fan experience is based on. This nostalgic view of your team and the past. And I sat on the couch with my dad watching this team play football. Isn't uh, that what football is about, My though? uncle took me to a game, which is great. It is. Because we because we spent the last month poo-pooing the evolution of the game on the field. Right. Right. We were, we were extolling the virtues of the traditions of the game itself. We didn't want that part to change because we don't think it's effective doing it a different way. How is this any different? Well, look at baseball. In some ways, we felt as if baseball, we have left the baseball behind because baseball didn't evolve and change. Now they're doing things to try to make baseball more fan-friendly as people's attention spans got shorter. A three-hour and 30-minute or four-hour baseball game is a long, boring baseball game. So the pitch count uh, clock and all those kind of things, they're trying to take some steps because the there's just so many other entertainment options the fact that I'm going to sit here and watch a boring baseball game for four hours, it just doesn't line up with the reality. There's so many other things I could do with my time and my viewership and my phone and my computer and everything else. Um, so, so, so we're trying to cater to a new fan base, essentially. These are the fans. It's not The old fan base is dying off. The new fans, the ones with the money to pull all this stuff off and buy season tickets, they demand... An in-stadium experience. They demand Wi-Fi in the stadium. They demand a halftime show. They, they charging demand stations and like charging stations, and they demand electric you know, car charging stations. If the game could be three line. hours and seven minutes, not three hours and twenty minutes, well, that's better. I just gained thirteen minutes back in my day, so I can play with my phone longer. Is it is it wise to cater to this sort of finicky reality with people who have short attention spans? Like, Okay, so so some happened back in when 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 Colin Kaepernick was doing his protest, right? It, right. it revealed a a definite split in the fandom. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of old school fans and stuff who who didn't like that display when they were trying to watch their game, and there was the new school fans who were like, absolutely do it. But the new school fans, do they watch football games or do they consume it? Red zone highlights on my phone, not paying attention, short attention span. Should we be catering? our game to those who don't have the patience to sit down and watch it. I have a great book at home called Billion Dollar Mistakes. And it's a story of Kodak and them saying, this whole digital photography thing is just going to go away. It's not as crisp. No one's going to adapt this. It's about Blockbuster ignoring all the ways that people were beginning to uh, consume content. It's about uh, all these. Uh, there, there was the, one of the first cell phone companies who decided they were going to do it with the satellite uh, cell phones, which means you need to be outside. You can't be in a building, all that kind of stuff. So all these people ignored all the 
competition and technological advances that were coming down the pipe and attempts to hold on to their business and they end up crushing their business and costing themselves billions and billions of dollars. The NFL recognizes that, hey, there's a whole new audience who streams football, so we're going to give the Thursday night deal to Amazon. So if you want to watch that, you got to be Amazon Prime and you got to stream that. We're beginning to chip away at the the broadcast TV model. Uh, you know, there's already ESPN has Monday Night Football, so you, that's not broadcast TV, that's cable TV. So that's been around for 30 plus years now. So this advancement in technology and the change in viewer habits is just going to continue to go. If they want to be beholden to the old school fan, they will get left behind. They have to. They have to constantly stay up on the business changes, the technological changes in order to stay on top. Because, you know, as much as everybody predicted, oh, I'm not going to watch football anymore when the whole Colin Kaepernick thing came out, people still consume and watch football. The ways in which they do it has changed, but they're still ever-growing numbers. And if you can look at the top 20 most viewed television programs every single year, 17 or 18 of them are going to be NFL football games. So what is stopping then Damani Leach and the Walton Penner Group from building the brand internationally to the point where they decide to move the team to London? Don't answer answer that right now. Don't answer that. We'll we'll talk about that next. You're listening to Chad and Nate on Denver's Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Our currency around here is winning. We are a football club. We are a football organization. So we're all, all the oars are in the water in that direction of being a successful football club on the field. Now, my responsibility is to work with George, and I'll do that. We have a great relationship already uh, to support football and business. These two things can't be successful without each other. Um, so we'll have great communication, great candid, open communication. But my focus is outside the lines. I won't be picking players or calling plays. I'm focused on the fans and the community, growing our fan base tremendously of Broncos country. Um, and doing what we can to make our players successful on the field and off the field. Did you catch that little analogy? I don't think it was a mistake that he said the oars will be in the water. They're moving to London. <laughs> They're moving to London, man. He's just said he's he's laying the groundwork there. I posed that question to you before. Um, would the Denver Broncos be a candidate to move a team to an international location? <sighs> Uh, I would think from an NFL perspective, um, the Broncos have a successful fan base, a successful standing here uh, in the city. Uh, so they would probably not be a candidate to make that move. Um, if you're going to have somebody move over to London where London doesn't have much choice, you know, I would think it would be a smaller like City? an expansion team? Uh, maybe not. Uh, possibly an expansion Expand team. Expand the NFL. Uh, but uh, if they're going to just keep with this current 32 teams, a team that's got a smaller market that maybe has struggled in the past to sell out. The Broncos don't have any issues outside of the last couple of years of putting butts in the seats. So why move this successful franchise here, um, try to grow one in London, when uh, you can just move a less successful franchise that has been struggling to you know, get butts in the seats and have some on the field success because the London fans are going to take whatever they can get over there. Yeah, uh, Texas saying zero percent chance they move to London. I, I agree, it's pretty close to zero. But uh, I, you know, from an NFL perspective, would it be attractive? Oh, of course it would. They well, would they would love to have it, but it just doesn't make any economic sense. Well, actually, let's unpack this a little bit because you talked about how the fan base is very good here. Mm-hmm. So they wouldn't move. Wouldn't that be a reason why it would be an attractive uh, it is. move? Because 
do you really want to move a, a crappy team there? I mean, who who would care about it, right? If you moved a team that was already successful, that already had a tradition, that already had uh, skins on the wall, and all of a sudden you put it in 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 London, and and uh, Lewis Hamilton can, you know, start becoming the champion of of the London Broncos. <laughs> <laughs> Do I make you horny, baby? Do you want to play a little pig skin? Do you want to uh, catch her? Throw it around a little bit? So suddenly, Sir Lewis Hamilton is Austin Powers. Well, um, but <laughs> Do I make you horny, baby? Um, the attraction to a, a, a football team in London, I think, is going to be consistent, whether it's the Broncos or Jacksonville whether it's Tennessee or I don't know who else it could possibly be, uh, where else they want to rob somebody from. But, yeah, I, I, I no. I, I get it why you would want that, but to take an existing successful team that generates a ton of money that just sold for over $4 billion that set the NFL franchise record as far as sales price, no, that's not going to be the team that moves. So uh, uh, some other questions that Damani Leach had to answer. One of them was about the jerseys. And I know that was a big discussion on these airwaves yesterday, whether or not they would look to change the jerseys, what they look like, what they feel like. This is what he had to say. Sorry, uh, cut eight. Um, yeah, so so I personally, you know, never cared like about what kind of jersey I was wearing. Never? Never. I was never like, oh, man, this should have a stripe here, or I don't like the way this looks really? here. Never, ever, ever. Not even in high school when I had these baggy, gross. It was just like, this is the uniform I was handed as a member of this team. This is what I put on and go out and play with. Ever, never, ever had one thought about, I don't like this uniform. Wow. That's fascinating. Did, so you, you, did you, you wear a towel? Did you did you try to make your uniform sweet? And I know we're going to play the clip in a second, but you didn't try to feel sweet when you when you got dressed. In high school, I, I look awesome. In high school, no, but in in college, yes. But that amounted to you know little wristbands and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, never never was a towel guy, but uh, yeah, wristbands around the arms right here to make right. the, the veins pop in the arms a little bit, <laughs> okay. and uh, of course pulling up the jersey, and making it tight and right. stuff like that. But but the actual the color the 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 the, the patterns and stuff was never a, a thought. Quick story: I'm at the Pro Bowl. Uh, I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler, and at the Pro Bowl, the first day in the locker room, the guys who are perennial Pro Bowlers they typically have their equipment guy and include a few extra helmets, so they can trade helmets with guys in the locker room. Um, Steelers, you know, traditionally a fairly cheap franchise. Uh, I had one extra helmet. So I pull my helmet out the bag, and I'm kind of sheepishly looking around the locker room, like, whose helmet do I want? Oh, wow, there's, there's Bruce Matthews. He's going to be Hall of Fame. Um, oh, there's you know this other guy. He's going to be Hall of Fame. And out of nowhere, Cortez Kennedy comes up to me, Hall of Famer, Seattle Seahawk, hands me a Seahawk helmet that's already got his signature on it, <laughs> and says, sign that helmet for me, CB. Oh, so I signed the helmet. You get a Seattle Seahawks helmet. I go upstairs, and I see my little brother. And he's like, you know, tell me about it. How'd it go? I was like, oh, you know, this is whole helmet signing thing. He's like, oh, what helmet did you get? And I start to pull out the bag, and he sees it's a Seahawk helmet. And he goes, a Seahawk helmet? Their uniforms are whack. <laughs> and whenever I got dressed as a Seahawk, those first iteration of Seahawk uniforms, until they went to the style that they wear currently, mm. 
I never felt sweet. I never felt super cool. White jerseys with gray pants, it kind of washed out. There was no pop to it. It didn't feel like aggressive and, you know, badass. So, yes, there's something to be said for the uniforms. I completely see things differently than you have. Even a well, Warner, I had my uniform had to be right. To be fair, I had I never had to wear a Seahawks uniform. <laughs> and when you talk about that, they were kind of whack. Okay, they were, right. Like Steve Largent? Yes. He kind of looked like just like a JV football player out there. Totally. He was making them catches. Right. He was dope. He's Hall of Famer, but the uniforms weren't great. No doubt about it. Okay, so you're in favor of... Um, uh, of at least an evolutionary mindset when it comes to uniforms. Let's let's change these things when it feels right. It, does it feel right just because there's a new ownership group and a new person in charge? Is that when it feels right, when there's kind of a changing of the guard uh, managerially? I think so. Now's the right time to do it. There's so much change abound uh, that it feels right to do a bit of a uniform reset. Um, and this could just be the first step in the evolution. Again, you can include the old D logo and start to bring that back. So to bring the past and make it a little bit more current and contemporary, and that can speak to a future uniform evolution. It doesn't have to be a massive, giant change. You don't have to go from Jacksonville to old unis to the now two-tone helmets and all that kind of weirdness. No, you can just begin to play with the old logo, maybe pop some of the older colors and slowly evolve into uh, these eventual new new uniforms. Well, they got they got a lot of stuff on their plate. <sighs> they want to grow the business. They want to ha- have their ear to the tracks and not miss out. Um, you know, like Mike Evans was saying, and I think Damani Leach was saying as well, you know, the good teams, the successful teams, and I'm not talking about on the field, I'm talking about business-wise, tend to zig while the other teams are zagging. Does that mean something off the wall? crazy is coming down the pipe that we don't understand. All right, there's some cuts, some notable cuts happening throughout the NFL. Uh, one of them, O.J. Howard was let go by the Buffalo Bills, uh, a tight end who came into this league with a lot of hopes and has washed out of a couple teams. Would you like to kick the tires on O.J. Howard if, for example, Albert O. did not round into form? Ooh, ah, oh, man. You know, O.J. Howard's been a bit of a disappointment now um, with his, what, second spot, right? Because he was with uh, Tampa Bay before he was in Buffalo. Right. Yep. So now he's washed out with two separate teams. Um, uh, I think as a GM, I probably would be willing to kick the tires after your first team releases you. Because, oh, we had you highly rated on our draft board. Maybe just wasn't a fit personality with the coach. Couldn't, you know, didn't fit with the offense or whatever the case may be. Now it's two teams. Um, and, okay, they kicked the tires, and they also didn't see things that they liked. So I'd be less inclined. Um, but with this tight end room in the position where it's in, where they truly do not have their guy, could O.J. Howard become the guy? I don't think so. Um, I think he would be a, another guy who would be added into the room where we need to manage reps, manage who's on the field, a guy can, who can only do certain things. We can't ask him to do all things. Um, so, yeah, I probably would not because it, it would just end up being the same situation where, oh, crap, we don't want to run behind that guy because he's on the field. We don't want to run this play because this guy's on the field. Josh Johnson's washed out of a lot more than two teams. So if they have that logic with him, he might be in trouble. Um, The quarterback position is a little different. Um, but, yeah, I I think he's, but I think my statement still remains true that OJ Howard would go into a tight end room and not be able to do all the things that are asked, and they would still have to constantly manage and shuffle players in and out of the game to get 
the advantages and matchups that they want. It's a passing play. Let's make sure this guy's on the field. It's a run play. Let's make sure this guy's on the field. They would be in that same situation. Josh Gordon also getting released by the Chiefs in a crowded receiver room there. Any interest in bringing in Josh Gordon? Oh, man, there's already enough. Uh, Oh, man. Mm. You know what? Ponder that. Ponder that because we've got a lot more to discuss and we're going to talk, run some of this by Andrew Mason. He's coming up. We'll talk to him next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Chad and Nate. Well, Johnny works on getting Andrew Mason some more, some more cuts coming down the pike. And we talk about it as just cuts, but these are dudes getting fired. These are dudes being released from their football dreams essentially and gonna go home and pick up the pieces and have a conversation with their family and their agents and try to figure out what's next uh wait by the phone work out you know you're gonna see some of these guys at 24-hour fitness right your local schools running on the fields watching games hoping somebody gets hurt and that they can get a call to come be on a team Uh, oh that's a weird statement isn't it hoping somebody gets hurt yeah I mean, yeah. it's, it's just going to happen. Somebody is going to get hurt, but you're <laughs> hoping for somebody at your position yep. with a similar style yep. that you can replicate. Yep. Yeah. Um, Philip Lindsay was just released as well. So now Philip Lindsay, a fan favorite around here, local boy is going to be hoping for that same next opportunity, whether it's hoping someone gets hurt or hoping it doesn't work out with someone somewhere else. Um, the dream is not over till it's over until you actually accept that it is. They're going to keep on training. Uh, the dream is never over for Andrew Mason, who joins us. Uh, senior Broncos rider on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. How are you doing today, Andrew? Doing great, fellas. How are you? Pretty good. So you, you put out your kind of mock 53 um, yesterday, and so far you've been right on a couple. The punter, Sam Martin, was let go. McTelvin Ajim, we just found out, was released by the Broncos uh, specifically about McTelvin Ajim, can you talk about that move and why the Broncos will be okay without him? Well, I mean, first of all, everyone needs to not get fooled by the last preseason game. And I think that's one reason why you see, you go on social media right now, you see uh, a little bit of surprise. It really wasn't a surprise, though, when you looked at kind of how, they, how they've been using him throughout training camp, uh, where, you know, he was, he was buried deep on the depth chart. And then also, it's a position where they have two rookies, both from day three, a fourth-round pick and a sixth-round pick. And any Iwazarike fourth-round pick, fourth-rounder means you're almost certainly going to be on the team. It's not quite the same for a sixth-rounder like Matt Henningsen. He's got to earn his way on. But when you listen to some of the comments made by the coaches, in particular, Ezra Evero talking about Henningsen getting better every day, when I made the roster, I pretty much had Henningsen over – Ajim, just kind of seeing where he was trending and the fact that if you're a rookie, they've got you for four years. If you're a third-year guy, uh, it's only the clock has been running for a couple of years. And also, I don't think uh, it's insignificant that um, that yeah, that Ajim 2020, John Elway's last draft, not not and not a George Payton pick. So uh, I, I think those that combination of factors, plus the fact that he didn't really get traction until late in terms of what he did. Uh, this summer in training camp and preseason, plus his struggles against the run that hasn't really gotten much better over the last three years. I think that's why you're looking at him being cut today. 
Andrew, uh, you know, it's always a tricky day for those players in the locker room. And um, speculation is unfortunately just part of what we do these, these uh, yesterday and today. Is there a uh, person uh, who you, you would think the Bronco fans would be surprised to hear that they are being discussed as a, a possible release? Oh, um, I mean, I have I have Malik Reed down as a potential trade candidate, but if they if they can't trade him, I think they still squeeze him onto the roster just because of of the value he brings depth wise. Um, I don't think honestly, I really don't think that we're going to see any names today, and uh, and and be completely shocked. I put it this way. I don't think we're seeing TJ Ward 2.0. Remember when he got cut back in uh, 2017 before the se- yep. season uh, was a starter the previous year, was still listed with the first team all through uh, camp that year, and then they let go of him. I I don't see anything like that coming today. So I don't. I, I think really kind of the the biggest move that the biggest move may have already happened with uh, Sam Martin being jettisoned in favor. Of course, Waitman. Now, you do have some players, like, for example, like Mike Purcell. They could gain some cap space if they let him go. But uh, uh, given the value that he brings on the defensive line, the fact that DJ Jones has had uh, back issues that kept him out for some of OTAs and training camp, I don't think they can afford to let go of a Mike Purcell, even though they get some cap savings. Andrew, uh, any chance that the Broncos and George Payton look elsewhere to try to bolster this roster and on other teams that have been Cutting players, for example, O.J. Howard just got uh, released. Josh Gordon is getting released. Quarterback Kellen Mond, after one year in Minnesota, is out. Um, Philip Lindsay, any chance that the Broncos bring in somebody else? I think there's a chance, and I would say, uh, check out the cornerback position. Perhaps if they don't, if if they don't like uh, what they have when you get down to a cornerback five, if they. Uh, and certainly if they don't think Damari Mathis can, is ready to be the cornerback for, they couldn't move Mathis down to five and they could bring somebody uh, else in to fortify that. Another, uh, uh, someone who's got a little bit more experience. So I, w- I would watch cornerback. I, I know people are kind of focused on inside linebacker. I'd be surprised if there's a move, uh, if there's a move made because Justin Trenat has a lot of special teams value and Alex Singleton uh, did start is, you know, he, he's, there's a good chance he starts week one for Jonas Griffith, but you have a guy like Singleton, so you're covered uh, with a start with a starting caliber guy in case one of the top two uh, goes down. So I, I'd say keep, I'd say keep an eye on corner. Uh, tight end is certainly intriguing, and, and I and oh, I think OJ Howard. Uh, if I were the Broncos, I'd be I'd be looking at him right now because you you certainly don't have. Of a really complete package uh, in that in that tight end room besides Eric Salbert, someone who can block, who can be as effective as a pass catcher and as a as a blocker. But maybe that's something where because you can wait, you can you can wait a day and get the and maybe put some guys on the fifty three on injured reserve and then create that spot for somebody uh, like an OJ Howard. He's a vested veteran, so he wouldn't be a waiver claim. He's not subject to uh, the process of. Uh, you know, Jacksonville having the first crack because they have the higher waiver priority. But I think Howard would make some sense. And maybe maybe what you see here, fellas, is you see a couple of guys that are on the 53 as of today, but then a day from now go to injured reserve. And, of course, you do that, you can recall them uh, at, at least four weeks into the season. So if Greg Dolfich's hamstring, if they don't think it's come along for him to play at some point in the first four weeks, 
Maybe uh, you have him on the 53 for a day and then move him to IR. I think you could see the same thing with Brandon Johnson with a high ankle sprain. And then somebody like O.J. Howard, I, I think he would make a heck of a lot of sense. And he made a play against the Broncos back in that second preseason game. So uh, I would not be surprised at that, but I don't think that would happen today. I think that might play out over the rest of the week. Uh, the offensive lineman, uh, Quinn Bailey, was released just a second ago, according to Tom Pelissaro on Twitter. Um, how does this offensive line room shape up? Obviously, Calvin Anderson left a little something to be desired. Uh, where is Billy Turner at in his recovery? Do we expect him 100, 100% to be out there for Monday night against Seattle? Well, I mean, the next couple of days of practice over the course of this week are going to be crucial for him because he saw some limited practice snaps last week. Uh, but you've got to ramp him up a little bit. And it's not going to be like K.J. Hamler where he gets that uh, game like he had last Saturday to get ready. So uh, I think it's going to be touch and go for Billy Turner uh, heading into week one. I'd say right now probably a coin flip uh, that he plays or, or doesn't play. It's, I think it, I think they want to see kind of where he is progress-wise uh, with the practices later on this week, and then maybe they'll have a better idea uh, going going into that Monday night game in in Seattle. So that so the, I would not be shocked if Calvin Anderson ends up starting just because uh, because Turner maybe needs a little bit more time. But I don't think you're looking at Billy Turner being somebody who goes to IR after a, a day on the 53 and then is brought back. I think he's closer than that. I think he, if he doesn't play Week One. I think you'd see him in, in week two or maybe at the latest uh, uh, week three. But uh, tackle is going to be interesting because I could see that uh, when I did my roster projection, I had three ta- I had three tackles and I had six interior offensive linemen on the 53. And then I had Cam Fleming going to the practice squad. Of course, he was on the, Bron- he was on the Broncos practice squad for a while last year and then got brought up. Uh, Fleming was sitting on the market there this, in, until the start of training camp. So I think the Broncos would probably feel pretty good about their chance of passing uh, uh, Fleming through and being able to get him back uh, a, a day later and be that uh, extra tackle just in case. But um, yeah, right now, right now, it's uh, it's pretty thin, and they're uh, and they're one injury from disaster tackle. Andrew, the Broncos just released uh, the record holder. For net punting, Sam Martin. He 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 broke the Broncos record for net punt last year. First of all, describe what net punt actually means. And after that, um, explain why the Broncos are willing to part ways with a net punt record holder who's basically only eating up 1% of the salary cap. Why did they let him go? Okay, well, net punting, it means, like, first of all, when you see a punter punt and then the ball and then the ball is is caught or or is downed uh or goes out of bounds that's what they call the gross punting so like if you say okay that was a 48 yard punt that's the gross the net accounts for where the ball is after the return or after the touchback so for example uh sam martin caught a bad break in terms of net punting average on saturday when jacob bobenmoyer could not keep the football in the field of play and it crossed the, and it was in his hand uh, had, had the ball in it as he was crossing the goal line and the touchback. And so it comes out to the 20. So you would take uh, the 50 yard punt, deduct the 20 yards because it's going from the goal line to the 20 and it became a 30 yard net average. So that's, that's, that's what the net punting average is. And so it factors in coverage. It factors in what you do on returns. And one of the things that was interesting is usually 
your net is going to be better relative to your gross average um, if you have a good hang time. And that's one. And, and hang time is probably a big reason why we're talking about Corliss Waitman being the puncher of the Broncos today. He had consistently better hang times in training camp and then in the preseason games than Sam Martin did. Like none of his punts in the in the preseason were returned because they they had a better hang time. They hung up so long, allowing the guys in coverage. Uh, to get down there. And that's something that Dwayne Stukes has prioritized. Sam Martin last year was 23rd in the league in hang, in, in hang time, and his hang times uh, in the preseason were about a half second less than that of, um, on average, that of Coros Waitman. So, Andrew, so what accounts for much, his, yes. sorry to jump on you, what accounts for his good net punting then? Good coverage by the Broncos punt team last year? Is that what it was going on? Because I know we uh, excoriated Broncos special teams last year as really bad in coverage. Does that mean they were actually good on punt coverage? They were much better in punt coverage than they were in kickoff coverage. And, 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 and Sam Barton was a good placement punter in terms, because that's another key thing as well, is what direction do you punt it in? I mean, Tom McMahon liked a punter who could punt to the right specifically. And that was something that Sam Martin could do well. So, he, so even though he didn't have the, the good net, he was putting it in the right spot a lot of the time. And that's where the cut, the, the coverage was uh, d- directed to. And so there wasn't a lot of room for returns. So he did it, even though he didn't have a good net, he's getting the ball in the right spot, putting the coverage in a favorable situation where it was able to do its job more often than not. There was a lot that went wrong on, on special teams last year, but the Bronco, but you know, the Broncos punting game was actually one thing that was right. But the thing is, you look at where the, at the, where they are this at where at where they are in terms of management. You can't ignore the salary cap ramifications, and the and Waitman on the net is one point four two five million dollars less than, than Sam Martin. And I think that and I think that Stoops, Dwayne Stoops was just looking for something a little bit different. And also, fellas, I can't imagine that Sam Martin getting injured pregame in Buffalo. Uh, you know, just kind of, you know, kind of messing around, doing some toe tap. Uh, catches in one end, though. I can't imagine that helped his cause with the new coaches either. All right, Andrew, thanks for joining us, man. Always good stuff. Thanks, Mace. My pleasure. Take care, fellas. Have a great day. Okay, we got some breaking news here. Um, trade alert. The Broncos are trading outside linebacker Malik Reed to the Steelers per his agent. And another bit of info, Broncos have released quarterback Josh Johnson. Brett Rippon is going to be the number two for your Broncos. We'll get into that more next. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.